and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm your host, Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach. And the last couple of episodes that we've looked at have been around how to notice, uh, identify, and beat our habit of procrastination. And one of the things uh, that I covered in that was about making those commitments to ourself, uh, time-based commitments in our calendar as a way of really visually representing things that need to be done. I want to elaborate on that point in this episode and, surprising as it may sound, dedicate this entire episode to how we make sense of and how we use our calendars. Um. Probably not what you're expecting to hear, but bear with me. Uh, this is a, a very interesting topic, uh, as I see it, because the calendars that we use at work, the digital calendars can be a very, very helpful aid to planning and at the same time a source of a lot of stress and overwhelm in the workplace. They're a tool, and so we need to learn how to use them. And what you know amazes me is that these um, apps are just like the other things that we're given when we start a job. Here's your computer, here are the apps, here's your phone, with little to no guidance on how to use it effectively. And it may not surprise you to know that I will, with my coaching clients, sometimes review their calendar with them. When we're looking at a topic like feeling overwhelmed or planning and organizing, it really makes sense to understand their view of the world. And their view of the world at work is often represented by what they're committing to in their calendar. And, you know, when someone is feeling overwhelmed, this is really, really represented clearly in their calendar. These digital calendars that we use, they are to help us visualize our time-based commitments. And that's really, really helpful because it's difficult for us to do that in our mind's eye. If you didn't have access to your calendar as of now, could you honestly remember all the commitments you've made to yourself and others for the next seven days? I definitely couldn't. And that is, you know, I don't even have to travel that much. Um, I'm doing things in my office, but could I remember everything, every call, every activity I said I'd complete, every meeting? No. The other advantage, of course, is that instead of remembering to remember all those things, we're also apportioning time to the activities. We've got limited time each day, each week, each month. And so we're saying, this is how I'm going to invest it. This is the commitment I'm making to myself or the commitments I've made to other people about where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing, uh, who I'm going to be doing it with. But the dark side of calendars. Um, if you are a knowledge worker, I'm sure is already very clear to you. If we don't use them to block out time for our priorities, other things will take that time. Now, these could be personal or professional priorities, but if they're not represented on the calendar, that looks to us or to those that we work with as free time, and it gets taken. And if we're not realistic about how much time our commitments require, then we can find ourselves chasing a very unrealistic schedule. And then there's a disconnect between, well, I, these are all the things I wanted to do this week and I haven't been able to do them. Is there something wrong with me? Well, probably not. But maybe there was an over-optimistic uh, attitude in uh, seeing how much you could squeeze in to a working week. And actually, if we don't reflect on 
the time, attention, and energy that we have, if we don't really acknowledge the volatility, the peaks and troughs in our motivation and emotions, then this will be a plan, this week in front of us. It'll be a plan that we just simply can't achieve. The downside of the calendar is that it doesn't represent how we're going to feel at any given time, what we're going to be thinking about, or what's going to be going on around us. It's very, very simple, which is great, but it can also feel like a very uh, harsh taskmaster uh, when we build in our own emotional life and we superimpose what we're thinking and what's going on for us in life more generally. So what I want to do, acknowledging the very broad diversity of people who listen uh, to this podcast and the fact that there's no one perfect way of doing this, I want to share some principles that you could reflect on and start to build in to your use of the calendar. Let me start with the fact that it really is a simple plan. It's not a rigid rule book you have to stick to. So things can and will change around you. Your job is to have as uh, helpful and realistic a plan as possible, but then to deviate from it as events require. Sticking to your calendar entries as if they were the law uh, will just lead to stress. And something that I talk to my clients about regularly is how surprised they might be when they need to move things and they do it with sensitivity um, that other people won't be as upset as they imagine because we're all human. Now, if something is really important, whether that's an activity that needs to be done, a task that needs to be completed, a conversation that needs to happen, well, it needs to be represented on the calendar because it's going to take time. And the calendar is a representation of how you're going to use your time. So if you have invested in creating a list of projects and tasks, and you've prioritized your tasks, and you've really dug into that task management strategy, which is great, those priorities also need to feature on your calendar. Now, not every single task and reminder, but the things that are going to take you anything over 30 minutes, let's say, Block out the time so that that is secure for you to work on that thing. I'm frequently amazed at reviewing professionals' calendars that are just wall-to-wall meetings with no space, no time available to work on the priorities on their tasks. This isn't a criticism. Uh, This is more a reflection of what's happening in so many organizations, especially when people are working remotely. Um, that they can have Zoom call or Teams call one after another when in fact there's no space to do the thing they're employed to do. And it has a very, very corrosive impact on their well-being. So if it does need to, to be done, then you make space for it in the calendar. That flexibility that's really helpful to us Um Remember that as things need to change in the plan, you can remove things from that plan. You can delete things in your calendar. But before you delete, ask yourself, is it still important? Maybe it could be moved. And this is one of the real advantages of digital calendars. It's so easy to just move things around, not like a pen and paper um, agenda. 
So before you delete something, to make room for something else, just ask yourself, could this still be accomplished if I move it to another day this week or another week in this month? And really importantly, our perspective on the time available to us and the event horizon we're paying attention to, well, get used to looking not just at the day in front of you or the week you're in, but also next week, next month, the quarter. Take that bird's eye view of how you're telling yourself and others you're going to use this time, but also the upcoming deadlines, the holidays, the national holidays, the colleagues' absence for whatever reason. It gives you a much more realistic perspective on the time available to you. So for example, there's a big emotional difference, let's say, between saying you have a year to complete a project versus saying you've got 52 weeks. And then <laughs> you don't have 52 weeks. As soon as you think of it, you realize, well, I'm taking two weeks off in the summer for a holiday, so I've got 50 weeks. Then you add up all of the bank holidays or national holidays. Then you look at all of the other days that are already spoken for with other activities, other projects, other commitments. And bit by bit, not to induce fear or discomfort, but a more realistic perspective of the time available to do things. The squeeze we can feel in our daily routine means that some things get dropped very easily. And if they're important to us and we don't want to drop them, then they need to be on the calendar. Another powerful um, aspect of working digitally is that you can put in repeating uh, appointments for yourself to ensure that every day, for example, you've blocked out time for your lunch break so you can get away from the desk or get out of the office or get that walk or have that meal. You can also put in the 30 minutes maybe at the start of your week to get your head around the schedule, look at your priorities, get your plans straight before you go into that first meeting. Or the 30 minutes towards the end of your working week when you can review what has gone before. And you know, there's a, a tendency that we can have uh, to scrape through the week, get to the end of it, mop our brow, move on. And, and the, the benefit of a review of the week allows us to not just see what went well, what didn't go so well, but to look ahead to next week and prime ourselves for it and get ready for it and to note, you know what, was I a little bit over-optimistic with what I thought I could get done? If I look at my schedule, was I trying to cram in too much? Did I give something an hour when it really needed half a day? Or were there meetings that I said yes to that I didn't really need to attend? Is there a way that I can do this work asynchronously and not have to keep attending these meetings, either in person or via video? But that review of your week and potentially of the month you've just been through allows you to make the next week, the next month, a more realistic representation of your um, capacity of your responsibilities and not just some ideal fictional uh, plan that you're going to feel overwhelmed by just a few hours into it. And when you are planning your week, and I have alluded to this when we talk about our limited resources, when you do plan your week, don't just think of the time. Think about the attention you'll need, the focus you'll need for some of these activities and how your ability to focus 
peaks and troughs, but also your energy, your physical energy to do things. There's a very simple example I share, and I've had this conversation with a lot of my peers, that yes, while there are, let's say, seven hours in my working day, that does not mean I am going to schedule seven one-hour coaching sessions. I mean, while the first one might be great, the seventh is going to be a car crash. I'll be exhausted. I won't be able to listen or focus. And, you know, woe betide that seventh client. So it's possible to put it in the calendar, but it's in no way a realistic proposition. And knowing yourself, right? We've been talking about self-awareness over the last few episodes. The more you know about yourself, the more you can bring this self-awareness to bear on your plan. And then you can be honest with yourself and say, you know, the first hour on a Monday is just a warm-up time to get me back into work mode. Or Thursday afternoons are my perfect sweet spot for just getting through all of that admin in one go. Or Friday afternoon, before I finish, if you have a traditional Monday to Friday um, working arrangement, Friday afternoon is the time for me to do my you know, big picture thinking, or it's the time when I do all those little five minute uh, tasks that I've just neglected all week, and I can just clear my desk of them on a Friday. Not all days are created equal. This is what I'm getting at. And your capacity, your resources will differ from day to day. You are not feeling the same on a Friday evening as you might on a Monday morning or any place in between. So the plan on the screen in front of you in your calendar is the map, but it is not, to echo uh, a military analogy, it is not the territory you're going to cross. So we're back to the need to be flexible with it, the need to learn from it and increase or decrease the time we're apportioning for different activities as we learn more about ourselves and to know when it's helpful to deviate from that plan because other things are taking precedence, but that each time we plan a week and a month, we could leverage this self-awareness and this reflection on how it's gone and make it an even better, more productive, more sustainable plan for things that actually can happen and be done well, rather than, well, it fits on the screen, so it must be doable. I think anyone who's ever overcommitted in a working week will realize it can fit in the calendar, but it may not fit in my brain or be accommodated by my uh, fallible mind or my weak human body. And when you do review that calendar, review it in terms of opportunities to improve, lessons learned. Again, as, as with the um, procrastination habit, don't beat yourself up. Look at it as a way of learning how to make better use of your limited resources uh, each week so that you can focus on what's really important in your role and make sure that that stuff gets those limited resources and use that as a guide uh, to navigate through your working week rather than an overly rigid plan you have to stick to or really a work of fiction. Um, A very good example, as part of your Um, weekly review. Looking at how you've deviated from the plan in your calendar can help you see that, yes, that looked doable, that looked realistic. But actually, what I didn't account for was 
Oh, the time I spent looking out the window, the time I spent daydreaming, the time I spent grabbing a coffee with colleagues, the time I spent sitting there annoyed at the fact I have to do this task, the time I spent stuck on a call that overran. All of these are much more realistic to consider than the neat boxes of time in your calendar. Remember, it's a tool, and to get the best out of it, you need to learn how to use this tool well. I'd love to hear if you have any tips on how to manage your calendar, especially in environments where other people can see your commitments on your calendar. How do you navigate that? That's one that comes up a lot. I've got no perfect answers for that, but do remember you can make appointments with yourself. You can block out time for things you're going to do alone. It's not just for the things that involve other people. So get in touch with your thoughts, your questions, your objections, your challenges. Do anything I've shared here. Uh, you can drop us an email, podcast at worklifecycle.com. You can join us on our online personal development community if you'd like to have a, a longer, deeper conversation about this. And you can sign up today for free at worklifepsych.club. And of course, you can find the show notes for this and all our other episodes on the website at worklifepsych.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.